Hey friend, thanks for stopping by. Pull up the chair and have a seat. You know me. I've got some good Tennessee white pine burning here in the chimney, but we better enjoy it fast because it's hard to believe, but winter solstice has already come and gone. And summer solstice is around the corner coming up June 20th, 2021. But listen, hey, chill out. I'm going to run inside and get us a couple of cups of joe. I'll be right back. Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rocks, God, the world, and other things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. Well, friends, that was recorded over a year ago. This is now summer solstice, June 21st, 2022 coming up. And the good news is, is that we've made it through another year and things were bad, but it's not as bad as they could have been. But yet on the heels of the pandemic are now uh, the resurgence of all of the mass shootings and the people driving into crowds in France and killing people and all of these terrible things that just continue to pour forth from a world that is ripping apart at the seams. But my friend, I've got good news to tell you in the same way that we made it through the past two and a half years of absolute disaster, that this is the time for greatness for the people of God. And I want you to listen. I am as excited about this episode as any episode I've done since I started recording this podcast. And so I want you to stay with me. And dear friend, I am calling on you. I'm crying out to you. I am begging you to begin to share this with other people if you not are already doing that. And I mean that with all sincerity, that this is the time to get this message out. God's hand is on me, and I don't say that in a braggadocious way. It's just a fact. The Spirit of Almighty God is in me, on me, and through me. And He is speaking a message to the world today. And my prayer is that this message will fall on the hearts of people throughout the world so that we can see that though in this darkest time, this is the time for the greatest amount of zeal. And if you'll stay with me, you're going to be greatly encouraged today. And I tell you, I've been up half the night because I am excited I am full of zeal. I'm recording this now after writing and finishing the writing here through the night at 4.58 a.m. on June 9th, 2022. But I'm excited. I brought back the old show intro. I love that type of thing. I'm going to be doing more of that uh, in the future. I've been very busy with getting the the video program off the, the ground, other things with and I want to encourage you, go to YouTube, type in other things with Mindy Obenhaus, O-B-E-N-H-A-U-S. You're going to hear an hour's worth of encouragement on hope and inspiration from Mindy Obenhaus, a very prolific author of Christian romance novels under the, the banner of Harlequin Romance. And then also, that's just been uploaded, Mark Maxwell, other things with Mark Maxwell. And I tell you, Mark is one of the top powerhouse entertainment attorneys here in Nashville. And I'm going to link another interview that he did with someone here just recently. It's like, are they copying my interview? Uh, but no, seriously. But in that, he talks about some of the, the people that he represents. And uh, it's, it's a big time deal. But think about this. For free, you can be encouraged by one of the, the most successful people on the planet who represents others, who is a counselor to others on how to pilot their lives. And he talks about in this other interview that I watched tonight that he's a counselor to people when it comes to making contracts, making deals. 
and guiding them through that in their lives. And so in every sense of the word, he's a counselor to people on success. And he agreed to come on the show and he spent an hour with me telling and explaining how his approach to life is viewed, his worldview, and it's success. It's success for the taking. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't already seen the video or listened to the podcast audio, go to YouTube, type in other things with Mark Maxwell, and you will be encouraged from beginning to end. It was a blast doing the interview. I look forward to having Mindy and Mark both on the show again, and I'm getting more uh, relaxed and comfortable with it. And uh, it's an exciting time, but this is season 10, episode 212. The title, Get On Board the Zeal Train, Revelation 319, which I covered in the Revelation series, but it is a commandment that says, Be Zealous. The subtitle of this is Empowering Encouragement Now, number 23. This darkest time is the time for the greatest zeal. George Frederick Handel's reputation in England, where he had lived since 1712, had been established through his compositions of Italian opera. He turned to English oratorio in the 1730s in response to changes in public taste. In other words, i.e. read into that, the Italian genre was not making money anymore. The now famous English oratorio Messiah was his sixth work in this new genre. Although its structure resembles that of an opera, it is not dramatic in form. There are no impersonations of characters and no direct speech. And the information for this portion of the podcast is drawn heavily from the open source platform of Wikipedia, but it's very uh, descriptive in its, in its background on, on handle. But an oratorio is a large-scale musical work for orchestra and voices, typically a narrative on a religious theme performed without the use of costumes, scenery, or action. Well-known examples include Bach's Christmas Oratorio, Handel's Messiah, and Hayden's The Creation. Messiah was composed in 1741 by Handel. A little-known fact about the composition is that Handel wrote the music, but he did not write the text or the lyrics. The text was compiled from the King James Bible and the Coverdale Psalter by librettist Charles Jennings. A librettist is a person who writes the text of an opera or other long vocal work. Jennings had worked with Handel previously on a few projects. As revenue from his Italian operas decreased, Handel became increasingly dependent on private funding for his work, which Jennings helped fund from wealth he derived from his family holdings of land and properties. In July 1741, Jennings sent Handel a new libretto for an oratorio. In a letter dated July 10th to his friend Edward Holdsworth, Jennings wrote, I hope Handel will lay out his whole genius and skill upon it, that the composition may excel all his former compositions. As the subject excels every other subject, the subject is Messiah. Messiah was first performed in Dublin on April 13, 1742, and received its London premiere nearly a year later. After an initially modest public reception, the oratorio gained in popularity, eventually becoming one of the best-known and most frequently performed choral works in Western music. Jenin's text is an extended reflection on Jesus as the Messiah called Christ. The text begins in part one with prophecies by Isaiah and others and moves to the Annunciation to the Shepherds, the only scene taken from the Gospels. In part two, Handel concentrates on the passion of Jesus and ends with the Hallelujah Chorus. Now keep in mind that the Hallelujah Chorus comes after the Passion of the Christ, before the glorification and the resurrection of Christ from the dead. 
In part three, he covers the resurrection of the dead and Christ's glorification in heaven. Jennings, a devout Anglican and believer in scriptural authority, zealously intended to challenge advocates of deism who rejected the doctrine of divine intervention in human affairs. The Hebrew word for zeal is kenah. This verb expresses a very strong emotion whereby some quality or possession of the object is desired by the subject. It is a jealousy that expresses God's arduous love, a passionate, consuming zeal focused on God that results in the doing of His will and the maintaining of His honor in the face of the ungodly acts of men and nations. The godly, especially Messiah, are consumed, therefore, by an ardor jealousy to exalt God by maintaining purity of worship and purity of obedience respecting the whole of God's word. Handel's Messiah is Handel and Jenin's magnum opus and one of the greatest symphonic and choral pieces ever written. An examination of the text by Jenin's will reveal several things. For just a moment, let's dissect Jenin's genius. First of all, look at the word hallelujah. It's used 39 times. I think it's interesting to note, and I'm not sure that it was planned this way, but it is interesting to note that for every lash of the cat of nine tails that Jesus took for your sin and my sin, Jennings writes the word hallelujah. The word is used 39 times. The word hallelujah is actually a compound word made up of the Hebrew word halal, which means to be boastful or praise, and yah, an abbreviated form of the word Yahweh. You may remember a singer named James Ingram, who with Michael McDonald had the famous hit, Yah will be there which means Yahweh will be there, God will be there. But the root of the word halal means to shine like the sun, and then extrapolate it into the Hebrew form, which expands into the meaning to be boastful or praise. The admonition to praise the Lord found in several Psalms is a commandment because the God of all creation is worthy of glory. Jenin's zealous cry, hallelujah, praise the Lord, follows the passion of the Christ. After coming face to face with the suffering and crucifixion of Jesus for our sin, the response by Jennings is praise the Lord. This is the unbridled response of someone who has experienced freedom and release from sin by the stripes of Jesus Christ. For the Bible says that by his stripes we are healed. It's a bold public commandment to praise the Lord, to shine the spotlight on Jesus the Messiah. The second thing the concept of the Lord God omnipotent reigneth, that God reigns. He uses the term reign seven times. The phrase forever and ever he uses six times. So he's driving home not only the point that we should be commanded, that we should be inspired to praise the Lord, to give him the honor and glory that is due him, to shine the spotlight on him, but that we are reminded over and over and over that the Lord God, in all of his strength, omnipotent, that he reigns. And the third thing, that six times he uses the phrase, King of kings and Lord of lords. So against the backdrop of deism, which he was dealing with in his day, that he is to say that, no, Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. The Messiah is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And right in the middle of the song is this glaring phrase, and folks, this is the pivot point of the entire song. The declaration of all the so what of this bombastic and repetitious praise, celebration, and declaration is this. The kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and of his Christ. That yo, the devil did not win with the crucifixion. 
Jesus overcame sin on the cross. Jesus is the victor. And because of his eternal vanquish of sin and the devil, we can shout his praise. We can shine the movie premiere spotlight on him. He is worthy. And folks, the fact is that Christ is here and he is with us. Friend, the fact that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord means God came home to earth and made his residence here. And against the lie of deism that says God is like an eternal watchmaker who set the world in motion with all the gears and jewels to keep it ticking, with no daily involvement in the affairs and cares of humans, it says no. God now says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. The Messiah has come. God is in control. This is his world. This is his kingdom. This world is the kingdom of Jesus, the Messiah. This earth-shattering truth that Jennings drives home should compel us to be filled with zeal to see souls converted, to place the royal diadem of obedient lives upon the head of our Savior and see his throne lifted high. My first band director in junior high, Joe Gunn, used to describe it this way. He always chose musical compositions for us to play that were full of intense energy. He used to say that we should play the songs with such zeal that it should make people who listen to the performance want to go out and pull up trees. As he spoke the words, pull up trees, he would graphically portray someone pulling up trees like King Kong ravaging a forest. For under God, the way of the world's conversion must be the zeal of the church. I ask you, friend, what has become of the earthly church that it is not the case today? The earthly church is not zealous for the world's conversion. Friend, every grace shall do exploits, but this shall be first. Wisdom, knowledge, patience, and courage will follow in their places, but zeal must lead the great acts of supernatural feats and spiritual conquests for the King of kings and Lord of lords, especially in the conversion of the lost. It is not the extent of your knowledge, though that is useful. It is not the extent of your talent, though that is not to be despised. It is your zeal that shall do great exploits. This zeal is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It draws its vital force, its life force, from the continued operations of the Holy Spirit in the soul, in your soul. If our inner life diminishes, if our heart beats slowly before God, we will not know zeal. But if all be strong and vigorous within our own souls before God, then we cannot but feel a loving internal buzz to see the kingdom of Christ come and his will done on earth even as it is in heaven. A deep sense of gratitude in our heart and souls to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for all he has done and continues to do for us will nourish our Christian zeal. An attitude of gratitude will motivate us to be zealous for Christ's kingdom on this earth and the salvation of people's souls. When we reflect on the lives we were saved from, we find abundant reason why we should spend and be spent for God. Not only does Christ's act of salvation move us to vigorous exploits for Him, but our zeal is also stimulated by the thought of our eternal future. In this vaporous state in which we presently exist, with the sad reality of the literal flames of hell licking the boots of humanity, who are passing through this present life into a possible eternity in hell, we cannot take a vacation or allow our zeal to go on holiday. As we keep one eye on our eternal glory to come with Christ in heaven, at the same time we must have one eye on the lost. 
A wholly anxious zeal feels that time is short compared with the work to be done, and therefore it devotes all that it has to the cause of its Lord. And it is ever strengthened by the remembrance of Christ's example. Isaiah 59 verse 17 declares to us that Messiah was clothed with zeal as with a cloak. Dear friend, Isaiah 59 is just as relevant as if it was written today. Indeed, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save and his ear not too deaf to hear. But your iniquities are separating you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies and your tongues mutter injustice. No one makes claims justly. No one pleads honestly. They trust in empty and worthless words. They conceive trouble and give birth to iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave spiders' webs. Whoever eats their eggs will die. Crack one open and a viper is hatched. Their webs cannot become clothing and they cannot cover themselves with their works. Their works are sinful works and violent acts are in their hands. Their feet run after evil and they rush to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are sinful thoughts. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths. Dear friend, is this not our world today? Is this not the United States today? Today, they have not known the path of peace, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made their roads crooked. No one who walks on them will know peace. Therefore, justice is far from us, and righteousness does not reach us. We hope for light, but there is darkness. For brightness, but we live in the night. We grope along a wall like the blind. We grope like those without eyes. We stumble at noon as though it were twilight. We are like the dead among those who are wealthy. We growl like bears and moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions have multiplied before you. Now this is now turning our attention to God. For our transgressions have multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities. Transgression and deception against the Lord, turning away from following our God, speaking oppression and revolt. For our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities. Now in verse 13, Isaiah gives us what these iniquities are, what these transgressions are. In verse 13, transgression and deception against the Lord, turning away from following God. Speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering lying words from the heart. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far off, for truth has stumbled in the public square, and honesty cannot enter. Listen, dear friend, verse 14, the second half says, For truth has stumbled in the public square, and honesty cannot enter. Verse 15, truth is missing and whoever turns from evil is plundered. The Lord saw that there was no justice, and he was offended. Dear friend, mark it down right now that across this globe, we are seeing that everyone has turned from evil is plundered. So those who are seeking to do good are being harmed. So it goes on to say the Lord saw there was no justice, and he was offended. He saw that there was no man. He was amazed that there was no one interceding. So, and 
friend, this is the pivot point. So his own arm brought salvation and his own righteousness supported him. Verse 17, this is key. He put on righteousness as body armor and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and he wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. So friend, against all of this darkness, against all of this injustice, against all of this lying, against all of this sin, that God is moved to action. He is zealous for his creation. He is zealous for his word, and he is zealous for his people, and he is zealous for people that he loves, that he sent Jesus to die for their sin. And so God is moved into action. And dear friend, right now you can mark it down against this backdrop of massive darkness that has overflooded the world that God is zealous and he is moving into action. He moved into action through the salvation of Jesus Christ, but he is moving into action now. He is not idle. He is sidelined. He is moving as we speak. We are going to see the hand of Almighty God work in such magnificent ways across this planet that it's going to boggle your mind. And we need to watch right now that if you look at the maps of the United States and the horrendous heat wave that they're projecting that has come to the United States in the areas that need it the least, where they are already in drought, he is getting ready to turn the heat up literally. And dear friend, I don't say this with glee. I don't say this with joy. I say this in, in really in a prophetic sense that God Almighty is doing this and he is going to show that the salvation that people are seeking through the hands of men is meaningless and is empty and hopeless. And for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, they will understand that this is coming from the hand of Almighty God and they will repent and God will rescue them. But if not, destruction is coming. We can mark it down. In verse 18, he says, so he will repay according to their deeds. Fury to his enemies, retribution to his foes, and he will repay the coasts and the islands. Does that not sound familiar? They will fear the name of the Lord in the west and his glory in the east. For he will come like a rushing stream driven by the wind of the Lord. Verse 20, the Redeemer will come to Zion and to those in Jacob who turn from transgression. This is what the Lord declares. This is the Lord's declaration. Here's the word of hope. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you and my words that I have put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children or from the mouths of your children's children from now on and forever, says the Lord. To that dear friend, my heart and soul cries, hallelujah, 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 for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and of his Christ. Friend, let us prove that we are his disciples by manifesting the same spirit of zeal. Dear friend, it is time. Our land is burning with heat. Its waters are evaporating. Our access to power and energy is being crushed and taken from our ample supply. Our nation's ability to do the simplest tasks is being bamboozled by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But, but, you and I can make the difference and turn this ship from imminent disaster if we would just follow the zeal of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
It's not a party doing this to us. It's us doing it to ourselves. Newsom just won his primary hands down. So God is going to give them what they want. More control, more shortages, more tyranny. They love him. So let him provide the water the absent snowpacks are withholding. Let him stop the wildfires, earthquakes, power shortages, water shortages, food shortages. Let's see how well their God performs. Implosion of the culture into anarchy and Darwin Marxist rule. When you take God out, Darwin has to come in. Somebody has to rule. It's the way it works. It's our fault. So now we suffer. The only hope is in Christ and surrender and return to him. It can happen, but we are under judgment that is increasing and will reach a tipping point beyond return. In the Bible, God always uses five different things when he moves in final judgment on a nation. War, pestilence, disease, famine, nature, earthquakes, fires, tornadoes, floods, droughts, hail, winds, tornadoes, etc., and wild beasts, animals, insects, etc. Watch his hand at work now. You and I can make the difference and turn this ship from imminent disaster if we would just follow the zeal of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Allow his zeal under the power of his Holy Spirit flow through us. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace. Peace.